It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is May 17, 2016. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Today's show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. Today I have the honor of actually having two co-hosts, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also Glenn Tari, uh, founder and president for the Veterans Suicide Prevention Channel. Glenn has founded America's first national broadcast channel for veterans and their family members. And good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you, sir. All right. I just I just want to mention, do a quick review of last week's show. We had General Salisbury and Christina Kaufman from the Code of Support Foundation. They provide essential and critical one-on-one assistance to struggling service members, veterans, and their families who have the most complex needs. They're a great organization. If you missed that show, be sure to listen to the archive show on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, Getting right into today's show, it's a very hot topic. It's called a straw man document. This proposed straw man document would transition veterans' care without properly evaluating how it would impact the health care for veterans. And of course, with the amount of guests we have today, this is sort of a roundtable discussion, so everybody bear with us. Now, allow me to introduce Charlene Johns, founder and president for Battle Buddy Info and the executive director for the nonprofit ministry, Sunshine After Rain. She was on our show actually last January. She has brought some gentlemen with her today so we can hear what the effects of the straw man document would have when, you know, uh, and what we need to do about it. I think that's the most important thing. Welcome, Charlene. Thank you. Charlene. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we are having a roundtable discussion. In Texas, we say go big or go home. So I brought in the big guns uh, to help challenge what's going on with the Commission on Care. They had a recent meeting last week, and now they have decided to put uh, a, a working draft for Commission on Care use only. So they're backing away from the straw man document, as well as the use of privatization for the Veterans Health uh, Administration. They are now using community-delivered services. So today I'm sitting here with Ken Watterson, president of the Dallas Veterans Resource Center, as well as homeless services, uh, homeless services for veterans in Dallas. Also, Ken Scott, who's a board member of Chapter uh, 137 of Vietnam Veterans of America. Jim Boyd, the state representative uh, of Vietnam Veterans State Council. Retired Colonel DeWiggins, who's the co-chair of Texas Veterans Care for Healthcare. Uh, Doc Howard, who's the Texas State Surgeon of the VFW. He's also a co-chair. And Don Pittman, who's uh, here representing a a concerned uh, veteran, but he's also a board member of Vietnam Veterans of America, Chapter 137. 
So thank you for having us all on today and listening through our technical uh, issues that we may have. But again, here in Texas as the uh, server of the largest, uh, one of the largest populations of veterans, North Texas is home to 500,000 veterans. That would severely impact um, their health care and their choices. We want to make sure that veterans know what is about to happen and let the national organizations, the VFW, the VVA, the PVA, the DAV, IAVA, every single one of those organizations on a national level issued a joint VSO letter issuing their concerns on what was happening with the Commission on Care. So we're here from the local level lighting a fire and saying, why isn't this going out to the average veteran who needs to know how his health care will be impacted by community-delivered services, also known as privatization? Right. Well, again, welcome, Sherilyn, and also welcome, gentlemen. Uh, Why don't we start off? I think the first question we need to get out there is what exactly is the straw man document and how is it going to affect our veterans? Um, Well, I'll answer. I'll speak to that. Just the straw man document, of course, the Commission on Care issued a letter on their website that says the straw man, by its very nature, is meant to be shot down, meant to be uh, discussed. It is not what is the end game. The end game, however, even with the most recent um, publications issued by the Commission on Care, the end game is community-delivered services, also known as privatization. Someone in the end is benefiting from the privatization of veterans' health care. And that person will not be the veteran. So a very close look with very active involvement of the national organizations that represent the millions of veterans that are being served by the veterans' health care need to have a voice. And we want to make sure, again, that the veterans' voice is being heard, not private uh, political parties with agendas that would stand to benefit financially from the dismantling of the Veterans Administration. Oh, that's phenomenal. I'll tell you that we need to know that, and you're, you're 100% right there, Charlene. Um, and they're sort of doing this behind our backs, aren't they? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, they're doing it behind your back, your, your back, as well as it's almost a scenario of too big to fail. Everyone thinks the VA, oh, well, there's no way. The VA is too integrated. There's, there's no way it can happen. Half the people that we speak to here locally have never even heard of the Commission on Care and have no idea what's going on. And that, that ranks from the average veteran on the street, all the way up to congressmen and senators, have no idea. Is this going to affect the, the benefits? I mean, uh, not so much. I mean, say that they, they're going in for, for a claim. How is that going to work? I mean, is that going to be affected by this also? Well, uh, we've seen how the Affordable Care Act 
has mm-hmm. worked. We've seen how Veterans Choice Card has worked. In fact, um, the public radio network is doing uh, a series of radio shows this week on how the government put in $10 billion uh, to the Veterans Choice Program, and it's failing. The th- very thing that it was meant to cure as far as veterans having access to private uh, choice physicians outside of the VA, if they lived 40 miles or more away, that system is not working. That's true. That's true. Bill? And, and you've told your own story. Uh-huh. That's true. Unbelievable. Bill? Well, good morning, Gary, again, and to uh, Charlene and all of the guests that she introduced. We're so happy to have you here this morning. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd like to start off by saying is that uh, the, our VA as we know it today really isn't our VA. It's either our fathers, our grandfathers, and maybe in some cases our great-grandfathers VA, uh, meaning to get up into uh, the, the present time that we live in. But Charlene and, 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 and the guest, that, the, the esteemed guest that you have with us today, give us, uh, you know, getting down into the weeds of this, what is the breakdown uh, approximately of the enrolled veterans in the VA system uh, that look towards the Dallas uh, VA Medical Center for service? Give, give us some idea what we're talking about in numbers. Colonel DeWiggins is getting the, the breakdown of, the, of uh, who served here in Dallas uh, as far as um, medical services rendered. And again, no one here in Dallas, no one I'm sure across the United States is in disagreement with the fact that the veterans' health care needs to be reformed. Veterans see their health care as an earned benefit. So that means an earned benefit is not something that you have to cost share in, which is the move towards community-delivered services. Well, we certainly can agree upon that. Uh, But, uh, you know, we, we sometimes don't even realize among ourselves in the veterans community, you know, how important this is and how we look forward to these services. Uh, it's been promised, and usually we uh, we find things that cause us to be turned away from it. So, But I, but I think that's, you know, it, it sounds to me like your medical center in the Dallas area is serving. There's a, a large number of veterans there who uh, uh, would be looking forward to services uh, from uh, the, the hospital there. Sir, this is uh, Mr. Dwiggins, and yep. your questions pertaining to how many veterans are being served, particularly in the North Texas region, are, are under the Vision 17. Yes. We have over 600,000 veterans in our service area, sir, that are being attended to throughout this, um, this Vision, which reaches from uh, the southeast of uh, Oklahoma all the way down to the uh, Gulf region, over to the borders along Louisiana, all the way over to New Mexico, Colorado. So just in the Vision 17 area alone, like I said, we have over 600,000 veterans that we are serving. Additionally, um, 
we are pushing for over $960 million worth of new construction to further be able to attend to veteran services throughout the great state. And by um, the beginning of 2017, we will have the entire state of Texas under one vision. That will be an additional 100,000 plus veterans and family members who will be served. So, you know, you're looking at just a million plus alone in the entire uh, uh, region that we are serving. And we are looking and leaning forward with construction to further be able to provide services in some of the outline areas, if not in our major cities. So it's not something that's not being thought of, and the services are outstanding. Uh, Just with our Dallas VA hospital, the only thing we can't do at this hospital is transplants. So you're talking about a one-stop full-service organization that does everything a veteran can need. Yes, it's not easy for a person to walk off the street that's never been in this system, it is a learned and an educational process. But once you have it on board and you understand how things work, we get the best of the best offered. And we are vehemently opposed of anyone taking that benefit away from us because the VA hospital is ours. No one in the community can ever duplicate just the care and attention that is given to a veteran with the type of employees that we have that work in the VA system, and it takes a great deal of matching a proper a, a veteran or a person to serve veterans in such a manner that you won't be able to find in the civilian marketplace, and that's what we want everyone, but most assuredly all of our veterans to be knowledgeable that these issues and concerns are, are happening, and they're happening in the dark of night. If you know anything about how bills are passed, a bill may have a title, but there may be a hundred sub-items underneath them, and that's why Reagan was pushing so vehemently to have line-item veto so that we would be strapped with a $900 million bill that really doesn't address what the bill title is with all those strap-hanging uh, items that are on, on side of it, and that's one of the things we want to provide. Education is the key to our survival. Knowledge is power, and because we don't have all of the knowledge and we don't have transparency, this is where we're running into issues. But we do serve these veterans exceptionally well, in particular here in the Dallas-Fort Worth region and throughout the entire state's region. So that gives you some magnitude of what we're talking about. And uh, the same issues we have with getting doctors in the VA are the same issues you have in the civilian community. There aren't enough doctors. There aren't enough health care providers, mental health, social welfare. All of these are issues that even the civilian community hasn't dealt with with any great deal of success. So we want you all and your audience to know that. That's what's so important to us. Right. Well, Gary, that is very significant, and I think uh, uh, maybe after the break, which I think you're probably getting to, we can uh, discuss that a little bit further. That's right. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out. 
love what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here un- trying to understand uh, as far as the straw man document goes and how it's affecting our veterans. And uh, Glenn, did you, did you have a question at all? Oh, did we lose you, Glenn? Today. Uh, um, hey. My name oh, is Glenn Towery. Uh, I wonder how many community-based outpatient clinics, CBOX, are in the Dallas area? And are the CBOX serving veterans in the rural communities as well? And how, how might they all be affected? Well, those, now, the, the community-delivered services that uh, our veterans here just pointed out is not to be confused with the CBOC services. There are 11 CBOCs here in the North Texas area that are serving. They would be summarily shut down over... Uh, a period of five years according to the recent, most recent, not the straw man, but the most recent documents put forth by the Commission on Care. Really and truly, this isn't as big of an issue as it is with the straw man document, the proposal, because they took the line of fire on that. This is the Commission on Care ignoring the proposed reforms, not uh, shut down the proposed reforms of every major veteran service organization. It is being ignored, and they are trying to get it to be a community-delivered service, also known as privatization. That is not this, the community-based outpatient clinic that is under the auspices of the VA. It is totally VA. I see. 
Wow, that is really something. So this this movement towards privatization, there's, is there any indication that they would like to try to develop both the um, privatization and maintain the current system? No. Wow. Heather. It is, it, is a, it is a phasing out into community-delivered services. And that phasing out both the straw man document and as well as the recent recommendation that is on the Commission on CARES website will use the model put in place that closed uh, military bases. So that was called that was called BRAC, B-R-A-C. They want to implement that, use that same model to close down, shut down medical facilities. So that would be MRAC, M-R-A-C. They already have the system in place. They already have how to work a, the the cl- shutdown of federal facilities and infrastructures. Those are those things are already. Uh, are already in place. And the question is, that was brought up in the straw man document, is the VA is not a real estate base, nor do they have um, expertise in real estate, so that would be farmed out to another entity. Well, if it's not, uh, if it's not in the interest of veterans, who is profiting off of the land, the facilities, all of those places that would be summarily closed. It's not yeah, we're the talking veteran. huge swaths of land too, aren't we? In prime and primary this is like prime real estate, isn't it? Hey, sir, um, it's prime in modern day terms, but when the VAs were initially established back in all of the states, they were lands that nobody wanted and they were out where it was not convenient to even be able to um, transit to these locations. Now that Society has grown. Cities have grown. All of a sudden, the property that has been uh, refined and uh, has a working network of logistical support throughout the city that come and support the facility, yes, now it seems to be prime property that everybody wants. But it wasn't originally. Just like any military installation back in the day was stuck out in the middle of nowhere where nobody would be affected. But now that we've started to grow and encroach on these areas, it becomes very, very prime because we have transit systems that stop right in front of some of our facilities that make it convenient to transit north and south, east and west in the Dallas-Fort Worth region and throughout the entire region itself. Everybody wants to land now because land is money. It's not long-term looking at what veterans have done for this nation, and it's not something that should be taken lightly because it, we absorbed it, we dealt with it, we took what we could get, and we made the best of it. But that's the ethos of serving this country, and that's what we have done. Now that we have a great facility that trains and opens its doors to all of the training institutions to allow our nurses to come in and get practical application, young doctors to come in and get practical application, you can get that here, and they get a full... Uh, yeah, full recognition for what they do and how they serve, and many want to stay and continue to serve. We have some long-term employees that have been here for 30 years that manage some of our clinics simply because of the type of business that it is, 
and what we do and how they serve, and they want to give back to those who serve this country and never renounce the oath we took to support and defend, defend the Constitution of the United States. We don't give that up once we take that oath. And we don't understand why this great nation wants to take something like that away from us for those who have gone to make this country as great as it is. And the sea box are being managed in practically the same manner on just a smaller scale. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, you know, what, what uh, seems to be uh, a, a real big question here, uh, under the community-based system of delivering health care, uh, does the straw man document speaks to where the accountability would lie? I mean, now that you, this is, it seems like a loose confederation of delivery, and who would be in, uh, standing at the door identifying what the standard of care is for our, our veterans under a system in the, uh, the community system. I'm, I, and I'm not talking about CBOX because I've heard in the background what you're saying. CBOX are part of, the, of the, uh, the VA, and if this system is going down, it appears that the CBOX are going to go also. So, but the community-based system, accountability and standard of care. Bill, it sort of sounds like the, uh, the choice card. They snuck it in under us. <laughs> Yeah, but even even with that, who's, who, where's the accountability? I mean, where's the door that you go and knock on if you say you've got a problem or if you're concerned about the standard of care that you're receiving? Well, that, of course, that's one of the things that uh, the, the submission uh, by the Paralyzed Veterans Association was that um, due process for medical malpractice, which I think is what you're getting Absolutely. around. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would all go away. So uh, in the letter that Paralyzed uh, Veterans Association submitted, they said there, it would create a whole new genre of ambulance chasers. So instead of saying, have you been injured in a car accident, they would say, are you a veteran? Do you have problems with your health care? Let us handle your, let us handle your uh, case. So, again, that goes into somebody's pocket making money off of veterans that have served our country and considered their health care part of an earned benefit that they fought and bled and died for overseas in many cases. Absolutely. And I wonder about, for instance, there at the VA, there are many um, uh, mental health organiz uh, groups that deal with specifically with uh, PTSD and people who suffer with PTSD and other mental uh, disorders that are directly attributable to uh, their service. And so what happens to those? They're, this plan that they're offering doesn't seem to uh, take that into account whatsoever. Hey, sir, um, the way this, the plan is written out, it's not written with any finite or in intricate details about the, the very questions you're asking. It's really monetarily a, uh, a plan that's being hidden under the guise of being some kind of report that the veteran community was never involved in any kind of uh, group talk or strategies or brainstorming at all, and we're doing a hell of a job trying to catch back up. But, you know, 
if you go to some of the big hospitals we have here, you could end up not being cared for and end up being on a gurney, passed away, and there's no um, recourse to uh, deal with that. The great part that we have now with our VA is we hold town hall meetings that are open forums for veterans or patients or dependents to have opportunities to discuss issues. If we end up going to a civilian style of hospitalization, those are big corporations where real decision makers are nowhere to be found, and you will never have the opportunity to face the director or the region director to give your opinion about something that has happened to you because they won't exist. And if veterans don't get on board to help support this, that will be something that we're going to miss, being able to have access open-door access, be able to talk about things that we've noticed that can be approved upon, I don't believe we'll get that, and it was never one of the issues that was brought up in the Straw Man Commission's consideration for wanting to go to a, a uh, civilization of our health care system. You know, the Colonel brings up a good point. So, uh, right now, if we have a veteran that's not happy with his health care, you know, we know who to take to down to the director or the staff there to get it corrected. If you get this here in the privatization in the community, you, go to you got 1,500 health providers. How are you going to place that? The idea is not big enough. You know, we're blessed here in the Dallas area. We started 10 years ago with the director of Dalpiaz having a relationship between the VA and our veterans community. We're way ahead of everybody else. You know, we're the second largest uh, VA in the country, and sure we got some problems we need to work on. But we're very proud of what we got here, and I think. We need, the country needs to catch up with us. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Today's show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. They are a national merchant service company, and John, Josh Cole is the owner. Give him a call right now. He will save you money on your merchant account. That's Josh Cole at First Class Merchant Services. That's 407 407- Four zero one zero seven seven two. That's four zero seven four zero one zero seven seven two. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier. Or smarter, as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Actually, we're here, and Doc Howard is going to explain something to us as far as what, what are the challenges that impact veterans in the rural areas needing medical care. Uh, Thomas Doc Howard. I'm the state surgeon for the Veterans of Foreign Wars of the United States Department of Texas. And I just want to make it clear that I'm, uh, I'm not speaking for my national organization, but I am authorized to speak for my state organization, the Department of Texas, However, our national organization is in 100% full accordance with everything that we're saying today based on uh, uh, items that they've already put out into the media. So I'm not, I'm not concerned that we're I'm going backwards on them in any, in any kind of way. Um, my, uh, as far as the rural veterans, I travel the whole state of Texas. I visit every hospital and many of the clinics throughout the state during uh, any given year. I'm an elected position. I'm starting my seventh year come uh, July the 1st. And uh, I've been met them all. I've met directors at every hospital over many of their tenures, as well as the uh, interim directors in, in between uh, directorships. Uh, the rural areas in West Texas and Southwest Texas in particular uh, are very um, underserved and it's most undeserved on their part, obviously. They don't have, it's, it's so spread out, if you just look at the map of Texas, you can see that. Uh, facilities are far and far, few and far between. The Choice Act has not helped them. You would think that it was designed for them more than 40 miles away from uh, any uh, uh, major facility. And of course, the Choice Act, when it first came out, the 40 miles also included sea boxes, uh, which now that's been changed, of course, thank goodness. But nonetheless, I talked to veterans at all these hospitals like Amarillo, Big Springs, El Paso. They don't really care much for the Choice Act for various reasons. Number one reason, they like the VA. They've been going to the VA a long time. They, even if they have to drive 200 miles in many cases, maybe even more miles than that, uh, they still go to the VA. Primarily, when the Choice Thing Act came out and they were going to be, uh, be able to uh, utilize facilities in their area, those facilities did not exist and still do not exist and probably never will exist because these doctors don't want to move out there in the boondocks of West Texas and Southwest Texas. So it's hard to keep them, particularly specialists. So if you took the VA away from them, they would really be in one hard shape because they don't have the people to take care of them if they were civilianized or privatized. Wow. So well, Doc, uh, this, is, this is Bill. Uh, uh, that's a great point that you made. Uh, I'd like to add just a little bit more background to this for you to, to comment on. Uh, uh, many uh, of our, our, our folks in the country don't realize that today the great majority of our serving uh, uh, personnel on active duty hail actually from the remote and rural areas uh, in the various states uh, in the country. And it is a tremendous challenge of uh, 
and I think you were alluding to transportation to just get around from one location to the other, and especially in Texas, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's even uh, a greater challenge there. But one thing, uh, uh, and, I, and I, you may have some information on this, when the demographic of post-traumatic stress and suicides, how is that playing out in the, in the rural areas where treatment for these kinds of conditions, I would say, uh, in a sparse commodity commodity and availability. That's very true. Uh, uh, and areas particularly like Lubbock, Amarillo, in that part of West Texas, and in the Southwest Texas in McAllen and uh, Harlingen, uh, places like that, and then, of course, out in El Paso. And then Albuquerque is in our system, and uh, Albuquerque has a large VA. Wow. So the they 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 obviously utilize those facilities, but in in uh, in they use a they do use a lot of civilian uh, uh, care in in that area in the mental health area, uh, not so much on PTSD because it's because that's a, a compartmentalized uh, 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 incidents that that, that that occur. So they really are best cared for by VA or certainly by former military. Uh, uh, mental health positions. However, in the suicide uh, issue, which is a big thing for us, um, many of us are members of the 22, and we, uh, we, we specialize in that. I myself on several committees uh, with the state of Texas and the Texas Veterans Commission, and uh, Colonel Dwiggins also works for the Texas Veterans Commission. So we're well up on these things, but, but nobody is up as much as they need to be on mental health and particularly the suicide issues, so we're working hard on that. Uh, we we uh, we're, we're constantly constantly doing that. And in reference to your beginning statement, Bill, uh, where you I have to take a little exception to that uh, about the old VA and the grandpa's VA and all that. We have a new thing out here we call my VA, and we're very involved in that. And Colonel Dwiggins is heads up our uh, My VA Communities Project, and uh, we meet uh, uh, often here in Dallas, and it's a large committee, and we have several subcommittees, and we're doing a lot of work in the community uh, based on that, and that's why Doc, we... Doc, uh, yes. Doc, I accept that from you, and, and let me just let you know, I'm a part of that family. I'm a board member <laughs> with the Community Engagement Board which is under the auspices of my VA in the national capital area here in the Washington, D.C. area, so I know. And, uh, and that's another challenge for us there, but I think it's an area where we can begin to make some differences uh, through my VA uh, communities. Thank you very much, and we appreciate that. I know Colonel Wiggins will. He may, he may speak to it later. <laughs> <laughs> But back to the rural thing, that's uh, <coughs> these CBOCs, the community-based outpatient clinics, uh, is not a community issue. It's a VA thing, just like we said before. They're 100% VA. Uh, the, they have uh, PAC teams. Uh, each one of those CBOCs has several teams of medical personnel. Uh, some will have nine, six, seven, eight teams, depending on the location and, how, and their patient load. And these teams are made up of doctor, nurse, lab people, uh, social, social social workers, and so forth. 
where when the patient comes in there, they're going to see the same person every time. They're members of that team. So that those are, they work out well. They're well-received by the veteran community, extremely well-received, actually. And if they don't like their position there, they can uh, they can change. Everybody thinks that they're, they're just locked in everything. VA doesn't lock people into one to a position so much. They'll assign one. But you want to change, you can change. Well, one of the things that I know, uh, this is Glenn Towery, that we have set up and have began to initiate is the a Veteran Suicide Prevention Channel, which can reach rural areas, it can reach out into anywhere. And one of the, I think one of the most powerful aspects of it is it can reach right into the privacy of your own home. Um, so right now we are online at uh, www.vspchannel.com for any veterans that are listening out there uh, that uh, uh, think that they would benefit from being able to see shows that and programs that are created to give them information and also what we are calling shows that promote good health, good mental health, and um, a good uh, state of well-being for veterans and their family members. Uh, we are actually supported by uh, the Department of Texas VFW. Uh, they supported us with a grant this year. And uh, we are uh, a fledgling organization right now, a fledgling channel. We're only about a year old, but we're, I like to say to people, we're about 1% of what we can be in the next 10 years. Wow. Have but, you ever heard of the veterans? Yes, just, I have, um, and that's, and, and and that's great. And also just uh, along that line, it's, it's different, obviously, that uh, they're not going to have the same uh, uh, types of programming and so forth. But VA telehealth uh, has is expanding into mental telehealth as well, and uh, and I think that's going to be along with the lines of, of your organization. Uh, it's going to be extremely helpful in the rural areas for uh, mental health for our veterans. Great, great, fantastic. All right. Now, how can we get together? How can we get together and fight this thing? We need to get word out. Well, I mean, the biggest way to get the word out is for veterans to contact whatever veteran organization they're a part of. If it's the VFW, if it's the VVA, the Vietnam Veterans Association, if it's Paralyzed Veterans Association, if it's Disabled Veterans Association, if it's IAVA, every one of those national organization leaders signed the document. They know what's going on with the Commission on Care. They need to alert their people in the national level that say, why don't I know about this? I want to make sure my voice is heard. Those organizations have websites. They have pages uh, already set up where a veteran can sign up and say, this is what my, I need to send this letter to my congressman. Those national organizations have the facilities in and the uh, things in place. Look, we have a Facebook page, Texas Vets Care. And Texas Vets Care for Healthcare, we're doing everything we can from a, a, just a groundswell of support, like getting on the radio, getting on your network, getting on local stations here, using hashtag Stop the Straw Man, hashtag Save Our VA. 
Look up Commission on Care online. Look up Commission on Care on Twitter. We're not the only people out there that are putting this information out. The information is out there. National organizations have this information and are not taking it seriously. We do not. We talk to people all the time, and they say we have no idea what's going on and why not. Because the national leadership of these organizations isn't pushing the information down. So any veteran listening, any veteran in the future, contact your local VFW, AMVETS, American Legion, every one of those national leaders know and they have a national presence. They have websites that they can easily draft letters to congressmen that say our veterans want to be heard and be in on this decision-making process. 20 million veterans have served. We have an all-volunteer army currently. If you want to continue to have an all-volunteer army and not reinstitute the draft, you better make sure that the veterans that are coming up or potential veterans know that if they serve their country, their country is willing to serve them. Does anybody know why the the chartered VSOs are not pushing this? No idea. No idea. That's ridiculous. Well, I like to say we that need, the Veterans Suicide Prevention Channel in turn intends to make some uh, very special news items and carry them on our channel. Uh, we'll be coming out to Dallas to uh, do some interviews there, and we intend to run a news campaign regarding this issue. And remember that in, in today we find ourselves in a sound bite world where everything is a sound bite and the problem with these sound bites are is that it usually is not when it sounds good it probably is not necessarily the truth and this is what has been used in these and when the word privatization gets moved to community delivered services just because it sounds better it's really working against us so we have to fight that with the same way so we're trying to start the social, uh, social movement, social media movement that will, uh, that will at least enlist uh, the curiosity of these veterans. What's the time limit on this? When does it June sixth uh, is when the Commission on Care was to put their proposal before the president. And people say, well, this can't happen. It's legislation. It's executive branch. All that. The Commission on Care is the legislation because the Congress voted them in and appointed the Commission on Care to make the decision. So when that proposal goes into the president's hands, he has the power to sign it, and Congress has 45 days to bring up uh, their opposals to it. Well, uh, I can tell you right now that What's going on in the election year uh, is making a whole lot more noise than community delivered services for veterans, and this could get this could get passed, and we could be March of 2017, and way on down the line uh, before veterans realize what they earned by signing on that dotted line uh, has been lost. Unbelievable. 
It is. Another consideration, a main consideration, is all the uh, research that comes through the uh, VA hospital. Uh, if, if, we, if the veterans are dispersed uh, throughout the country, well, then we don't have the research. Like PTSD was uh, originated through the VA hospital Prosthetic. system. Or, uh, prosthetics. Prosthetics, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, severed spine, severed uh, spinal cord injuries. Uh, there's a there's a, a plethora of things that came out here and actually was exported to to the civilian world. That's right. Wow. And if it's dispersed like that, uh, then throughout the the country, then you won't have the concentration of uh, maladies that are uh, that you find in the uh, in the veteran. VA hospital system. All right. So, Bill, I know you have a question. Well, I tell you, uh, uh, one other thing that I might suggest that uh, you might want to consider with getting the word out in the veterans community is you all know, uh, 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 and we've got uh, VSO's representative on the program, this is national convention season so uh, you know it happens this time of the year and the kinds of things that we're expressing today I think at that convention whether it be uh, on the floor of the convention or in some of the seminars that they have that you want to keep this out in front that they need to be involved you know they represent us at the national level they go before the uh, the US Congress and uh, and testify uh, they, they they send out notifications about where at the grassroots level they want us to seek uh, getting help and assistance through our local uh, congressmen and senators. So I think it's a, it's it's appropriate that we turn this around now and say, you're at the national level, this is the convention, let's be aware of this, and let's keep our membership informed so we don't lose this thing uh, while it's, uh, you know, just right before our eyes. So your point is well given that, these service organizations and veterans really should become a part of. But if we wait until the convention, we will be behind the power curve. Uh, June 6th, that's the notice that goes before the president and all the legislation. So that's why we're so proactive about getting ahead of things right now. And we will readdress at the national and conference levels that we have to be really, really engaged so we don't get pushed into a corner like this going forward. But, um, you know, your point is well taken, and, and it is under serious advisement that that's exactly what's taking place. And just just a couple more points. We want all veterans to know that all of these veteran organizations are not these smoky beer-drinking places anymore. Highly educated veterans are engaged, and they're engaged in such a manner that it's not only on the local, state, or national level. We want to ensure that we have advocacy for all of those young men and women coming up behind us that are going to pick up the mantle and carry on serving this country. And so getting this word out is so vital. that That's why we're having a unity of effort with all of our veteran organizations to have one powerful, strong voice. We have the largest voting um, block in the nation with just veterans alone. And so... Um, 
we need to really understand that. And then just in closing, just want to give you some real hard fact numbers from 2015 and just how vitally important our VA has been in our region. Yeah, I actually went, they, because the, the questions were asked uh, about statistics earlier, and and uh, we, we <laughs> hustled around. Actually, uh, we have in the... Um, uh, in in the uh, year, the fiscal for fiscal year uh, 2015, we had uh, increased the clinic visits visits in the North Texas region to 1,392,000 and some change, uh, where there were 70 upwards of 97 percent of established primary care, about 92 percent of new primary care and 96% of established specialty care. Now, all this came together that what we had was a 97% of new mental health appointment within 30 days of the clinical indicated or preferred date. So uh, the the whole thing is is that there was a schedule of a little over uh, uh, almost 200,000 pending appointments Mm-hmm. In one, for instance, one particular month, and the average wait time for a primary mm-hmm. care appointment was was uh, 4.1 days for specialty care and almost five days for mental health. So that's and there are tons and tons and tons of other. So some some of the some of the numbers that 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 are are heard can be in. It, I see, I can't speak of for some of the others, but. This is uh, this is what the what the veterans see. That's what faces them. That's the vet. That's the veteran faces facing service that right. we perform here. All right. Well, thank you, sir. We only have a minute or two left, and I and Sherilyn, I want to and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you. It was a pleasure having you on this morning. And if you missed uh, what I could do for you, I could send Sherilyn uh, the uh, the link, the live link, uh, the direct link uh, to the show, and that way, if you want to copy, you can get it from her or contact me at the American Hero uh, Gary Gary Ray at the American Heroes Network dot com. If you missed any of our shows, all our shows are archived on demand twenty four. On the website, and you'll hear them because we do archive those shows. You can hear it right from your phone. And remember, all we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America.